Welcome back to season two of the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. On this episode, we are diving into a different area of the entertainment world, and we are going into the TV world. I speak to Lisa Douglas, who is a talent executive and celebrity producer with over 20 years of experience. She has worked on some of the biggest TV shows in the UK, so I'm really excited for you guys to listen. What I found really interesting was the similarities between being freelance and working in a TV world to being freelance in any other area of the entertainment industry. With the current situation that's going on in the world, this was recorded online, so I do apologise for any dropouts in Signal. It's such a good interview. I really hope you enjoy it. Let's get on with the show. On today's episode of the Business of Show Business podcast, I'm joined by a freelance BAFTA and NTA award-winning talent executive and senior celebrity producer. Lisa Douglas has over 20 years experience producing and casting on-screen talent for factual entertainment, entertainment and daytime shows for BBC, ITV and Channel 4. She has worked on shows such as ITV's This Morning, Sport Relief 2020, Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway and Parkinson. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. No worries. Um, this is funny um, for the listeners. We were just literally chatting off air about how I looked at Lisa's CV and was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then you were saying you wanted your journey to start off that's in theatre. That's what theater. I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, oh my goodness. I, I did dance classes from about the age of five and um, loved it and, and always wanted to do that. And I actually danced in like some local pantomimes when they had touring productions of things came up to Aberdeen where I was from. They'd audition local dance schools to have little girls and babes and pantos and stuff. And yeah, I did that. And that's what I wanted to do. And I did come down when I was about 13. I came down to London and did a, um, a week's kind of summer school at Italia Conte uh, and spent the whole time with people from London not understanding my accent and, you know, me being like just in awe of everything that was going on. Uh, we went and saw Jason Donovan and Jason is Technicolor Dreamcoat at the Palladium. And I was I loved it. And then that's always what I wanted to do. Um, and I still kept it up. And but when I went when I was 17, I um applied to go to a couple of drama schools in, in, the, um, in Scotland um, and a couple down south um, and I didn't get in I didn't I didn't have the confidence if I'm being honest um, and they kind of told me to go away and kind of audition the next year but at the same time my mum and, and my kind of people at school had encouraged me to have a backup option and to apply to maybe do like a media degree as a kind of backup so I just I didn't I thought well I'll start the media degree and I'll see how I get on with it but I might drop out and go and pursue the musical theatre thing and then I just loved it you know and it kind of you know theatre as I said to you you know affair has always been a part of my life and always will be um but yeah I kind of fell in love with TV and and went down that route instead. There's probably a lot of crossover in the fact it's like creative fast pace always meeting new people so in a way it's probably you're still ticking the same boxes but you've just kind of gone down a different journey. I mean I think I think the thing that we're very lucky our industries I think a lot of skills are quite transferable I think like you said think that it's unlike I think if you go down a medical route and become a doctor and see then you wanted to become a lawyer it is that thing of having to retrain and kind of put those hours in but I actually think that there is a lot of things that when I come across people who are maybe in the music industry or in the theatre industry or comedy industry some of the skills that we kind of have are very similar of kind of negotiating and people skills communication skills you know diplomatic skills kind of contract negotiations um, all that kind of stuff 
it is kind of quite transferable. And I think if you've got a passion for something or a knowledge base of something um, in, in, your, in, in your private life, if you, you know, if you work in one industry but love watching Netflix or watching TV, that's kind of the thing that people love that. You want, you know, we work in industries where people want to work in it. And if you've got a drive and a passion for it, um, then that's infectious. Most people will want to listen to you. I also think just in your accent right now, it's, it makes it so much more like melodical as well. And I'm like, hmm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, people understand me. I always get people going, are you Canadian? Are you American? It's kind of <laughs> no, Abedonian it. for the viewers, so you know, <laughs> listeners all. In the TV world, um, there's obviously like a, a ranking system. As a performer, you may be ensemble and work your way up. Obviously, in TV, you will start off as a researcher, as a runner, sorry, and then a researcher. Yep. Can you talk through a bit more about the progression within TV to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off as a runner, which is kind of the equivalent of like an office junior. Um, and you can be doing anything from making cups of tea to kind of... Um, uh, phone what we used to call phone bashing people so you kind of you know you'd had loads of calls so in fact my first job as a runner was working on a show called you being framed so when they had VHSs now I sound incredibly old but when we had VHSs <laughs> and we had to sit and put them in and watch them for the funniest clip you know and you had to put, find the start of the funny clip and, or what you thought was the funny clip put a post-it note on it put it to one side and then you know the next person who was more senior to you would look at that but it could be all sorts of stuff from yeah going and picking up a visa at an embassy for somebody to pick up someone's dry cleaning to kind of but if you're lucky what you then want to become is the researchers who are the next people up if they think you're good will kind of pass you things to kind of do so that could be um, say you have a guest on a TV show, you write what's called a brief on them. So that's something that the presenters will read. It'll be a biography or someone or the questions that you would want to ask them. So researchers generally write that. So as a runner, when you would start, a researcher might say to you, well, could you find out some information on that or interesting things? Um, and then you start to kind of prove yourself. I mean, I always think as a runner that um, you've got to make yourself indispensable so that when you're not there, they notice you that you're not there. Um, and I think it's about being proactive and kind of saying, look, you know, rather than waiting for people to come to you with stuff as a runner, you want to be going, Hey, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? And then people notice you a bit. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of runner researcher is, you know, as I said, on a, on differentiates on different kind of shows, but generally researchers kind of helping shape the content or create that kind of information researcher being that you would research the content and kind of bring that the next, level as assistant producer quite you know you're assisting the producer so the producer is ultimately responsible for the content of a tv show so if that's something like top gear it's kind of like how are you doing those car sequences together how is that kind of shaping if it's a show like a graham norton it's like well what order are the guests going in how are you doing that what questions are you asking them so an assistant producer would just assist that person again a bit more senior from the researcher, a bit more experienced, but kind of bridging that kind of gap. So there's kind of that side of things. But then, so I suppose that's a little bit like producers on a theatre show, etc. the vision of the show and how that looks. Then you would also have in the TV industry, the kind of the behind the scenes people, so it's your crew. So very similar to theatre, we'd have a floor manager as the equivalent of your stage manager. So they're in charge of the, the set on a floor um, and kind of who's coming and going when, etc. You've got your cameramen, all that kind of stuff. So, and then I think in the TV world, you also have the production management side. So they're the people that are kind of sourcing stuff. So as we would say, you know, the producers are the creatives. We come up with a, we want an elephant in studio. And your production <laughs> management team are the ones to go, well, health and safety, how much is that going to cost? Kind of. So they bring you 
back down to we have all the ideas up in the sky and, and they come in and kind of give you the, the reality check of you can't do this, you can't do that. And how are you going to do that with that? And you're all oh, right. Okay, fine. Okay. We have to find a way to make it work. Um, so some people decide to go down that route. I think if you're very good at project management skills, very good at accounting, very good at negotiating. So I think when you start as a runner, you can either go in either direction really. Um, so yeah, that's, that kind of gives you a bit of an overview, hopefully. Well, and I think the fantastic thing is there is that it there is that career progression, which is I think sometimes as freelancers and creatives, it's sometimes it's hard to map. You know where you want to be, but you don't necessarily know how to get there. So I think what I like from that is obviously you work very hard, but there's lots of avenues, isn't there, that branch off that kind of from your A to B, really, of where, where you want to get to your end goal. Yeah, I think so. And I think as well that I know when I first started that, I used to get lots of people saying to me like, well, where do you want to, I've never really liked this question. Like, where do you, where do you want to see yourself in five years or 10 years? Because I just feel like I'm not that blinkered in my kind of, I, I don't get me wrong. I think it's incredibly great to have goals and things to aim towards or, or things you aspire to. I had shows that I wanted to work on or shows I loved, but I've also never been so cement or tied to that because I felt like actually you should be open to opportunities because you might meet someone and you kind of, and, and I know when I started as a runner, I had a lot of people kind of saying to me, well, you know, I would run on an entertainment show or I might run on a factual show. I ran on a holiday, sh- you know, I was doing something for a holiday show for a bit. Um, I landed up on a religious show, like a songs of praise type thing. And and people would look at my CV and go, God, it's really varied. Like, you don't seem like you know what you want to do. And I was like, well, I'm 21 and I'm just starting off. In the end. How, how do you how do you try these things if you don't know and so sometimes I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do but I would try something and know then that I didn't want to do that and that ultimately helped me get closer so I would sometimes say that don't be put off by something if you don't know what it is you want to do just try things and quite quickly you might work out that actually I enjoyed that more than and that's what happened with me with entertainment I started as a runner in entertainment spent two years working in lots of different departments but ultimately went no actually it's entertainment shows I really like so when I came back I was like no that's this is it and and also um I didn't feel like I'd missed out because I felt like I dipped my finger in and you know and then I've kind of come back to it so and I would you say as well that you obviously learned new skills or made new contacts on each one of those shows so as you progressed up the ladder to now as a senior producer you've probably been able to pull on those skills or even use those contacts yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think on every job you kind of learn that. And I think that, gosh, you know, I got to go some amazing locations and, you know, um, and yeah, you'll pick up some, I think you pick up something on each job and yeah, exactly. As a contact of something you kind of meet and um, even if it's just a funny story or something. I mean, the industry is very small, like as I'm sure theatre and other, you know, other creative industries are, that you never know who you kind of meet. I mean, when I started as a runner, I was up in Granada, Manchester, and I'm very fortunate that at that time, there was a really great creative team who've now gone on to, you know, head of commissioning at BBC to kind of running their own production companies. So these are people that I've, our paths have crossed at various points during the year, but, but there's that understanding that you came from that great stable at the same time and then your paths come back again. So yeah, I always think you you learn anything from each job and that's like what, what I say. I, I think just be as open as you can to stuff. I, I do believe the world pulls and pushes you in the right direction for a reason and I think that then sometimes you could look at something on paper and go god that's really not for me and then go and do something and think wow I wouldn't have done that and you know I learned a lot about myself you know 
One of the fab things I like on your website, which if you um, get a chance to check it out, lisadouglas.co.uk, everything starts with a connect with connection, with audiences, with talent, with agents, publicists and managers. And I think networking kind of has this taboo around it where they think that you're just going to ask for something or drop your CV at someone's door, but it's it's really not. And I, I love that um, section on your website about connections. And as you've just kind of hit home there, it's you can learn from other people, but you can also offer and you are the solution to someone's problem and how like your network. There's a lovely quote, um, what's her name? Porter Gale, and it's like your network is your net worth. And I just think that's so true. Yeah, I, th- I totally agree with you. I think people get quite scared by this thing of networking. And, and I think it's, it can, I don't know, for me, that word can seem quite aggressive. It can seem kind of, you know, like, what well, you're in there, as you say, you're dropping cards, you're kind of, or maybe it's an American kind of perception. And I, I'm the same. I'm not really big on that, you know, and, and it's funny, I never really think, never think of my, I don't think of it as networking. I think of it as relationships and connections with people. I feel like if I meet someone and I kind of think, you know, have a chat to them or we're at an event or you get chatting to them. And, and I don't see it as what can they do for me? They might happen to then say, God, I was looking for, you know, I, I wondered if you could recommend or do you know something? And it might be, oh God, you should speak to such and such. Let me put you in touch with them. You know, I, I went to an event once and uh, this, this woman was an amazing speaker and she was just talking uh, kind of about an advertising, something that was nothing to do with me, but a friend of mine was kind of in an industry to do with that. And I just emailed them both afterwards and said, you two should meet each other. Like, you know, I think you'd have something to, now I had nothing to gain from that. But I just felt like, well, actually, it's putting people together. And I think sometimes that works in your favor because you can then connect with people. So I would say to people who are not fans of it, that try not to see it as networking as in what can you get out of someone just see it's having a chat with someone. It might lead to something it might not. Um, A tip that I always use, actually, that um, is if it helps you is that I am. I always try and wear something quite bright if I'm going to a networking event or something quite memorable or quirky because I always think it's quite a good way to introduce yourself to someone. If you, if you don't want to go, oh, hi, I'm Lisa and this is what I do or kind of, I would go up to someone and go, I love your shirt. Like, that's really smart. Where did you get that from? Or kind of, and so I would always try and wear something. And also it might be that thing that it's quite hard to remember lots of people's names in a room, but you could go, oh God, yeah, that girl with the purple top over there. I was talking, you know, it just makes you, it stands out a bit. Also, it's something if, if you wear something that makes you feel a bit more confident when you walk into that environment you feel a bit like right I've got this I can do this um but I do in short short doses you know um, (laughs) I can't do too much at once (laughs) yeah of course no I think that's a lovely tip as well and also I think it's almost like um fashion can also be a sense of like armor as well so if you wear something that's bright and colorful and you feel confident it kind of has that other effect as well well, I think someone, I don't know who said it, but someone used to say dress for the job that you want, not the job you have. Um, and I always used to kind of think, well, if you dress as smart, it makes me feel more confident. You know, I, I'd like to think I am confident in what I do, but occasionally we all have doubts. But I feel like if I look the part, then people will believe me when I don't believe myself. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now, portfolio careers are like, they're mainstream now. You know, before it's like, if you were freelance, people would be like, oh, get a real job. And like, no, you work full-time hours being freelance. It's just yeah. maybe not tied to one contract or one client. You mm-hmm. yourself have more recently gone freelance after working on longer, with longer clients and contracts. How has that been for you kind of swapping from that? Well, maybe- timing wasn't great with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, if anyone, if anyone knows me or I am, um, 
I am Monica from Friends. I am very organized and very like to plan stuff and kind of. So I had decided last Christmas that I wanted to go freelance. Um, and here was me going, right, well, that's great. That's three months. You know, I've got three months to get my stuff together and get my CV out there and blah, blah. So by the time it got to March and I was like finishing sport relief on the 13th of March, leaving my job on the 20th, I had lined up some freelance contracts. This was great. I was very pleased with myself. Obviously, COVID then hit. <laughs> And all those work, you know, that work all got kind of postponed and et cetera. I don't regret it though. I still think, you know, I, I, I felt like I stood by my decision to kind of, you know, to do that. But it's great. I think that I, I did, when I first moved to London, I must have been in my mid twenties. I was freelance then. Um, and I loved it, but I found London very daunting and very expensive and I kind of struggled to kind of go. Um, and I think I was just establishing myself in the industry down here and I didn't quite feel I had those connections with people or people knowing who I was or, or counting for my work. And then over the last, you know, 10 plus years, I've kind of built that up. Um, and I just felt confident enough to kind of do it. And I also just thought, you know, it's interesting because I it's always the grass is greener you, you look at people who are in when you're freelance you look at people who are in these permanent jobs and you kind of think god that must be great to have regular income and to know but equally I think when you're in those jobs you crave the freedom that the, the freelancers have you crave the fact that you're working for lots of different companies and you've got the variety and I think that Interestingly, I think sometimes some of the opportunities come to the freelancers because they, their CV looks like they've got more on it, you know, and I know I spent 10 years at this morning and I, when I, by the time I left, felt that 10 years was a bad thing to have that on my CV. But I remember meeting someone and they're saying, you know, because I said, will an employer look at that and think you've been there for 10 years? God, like, what are you doing? Like, you can't be very good at yourself if you've not moved around. And and he said, no, on the couple think she must be great if she was there for 10 years. You know, like, there's two ways of looking at things. So so I think for me, I felt like it was time to make a jump. It was time to try something new. Um, and so, you know, I'm still finding my way a little bit with it, but, you know, loving it. Um, and, and look, you know, as I said to a friend, you know, she was just saying, look, another full-time job might come along. It might, but, it, you know, and you can still say yes to it if you want to, but why not kind of try some new stuff? So, and I think if anything, you know, the whole kind of COVID lockdowns taught us is life is too short. Sometimes you have to just make the most of it and not, and not kind of, so yeah, so it's been fine. I mean, I've got a few bits here and there kind of, and I'm kind of open to stuff, but it's, um, no, I don't, I don't kind of regret it. You're following your, your gut right now, but like I said, if another job comes up and it's the right fit for that time, you would take that contract. And I think quite often, especially people in the creative industries, they're, they're scared to try something new because it's almost like they're turning their back on what they've been trying to do or they're worried what their peers or, or what their family would say. Because obviously if you've been doing one route for so long. Mm. So I think one thing definitely to take from what you've just said there is having that courage mm -hmm. to just do it. And I think it's also, like you said, you set up some um, contracts. So when you were leaving it in the March, so it's not so much a leap in the fact of also, you've also set up those stepping stones, isn't it? I think it was a bit of a calculated thing. Yeah, I kind of I think I'm a I'm a type of person that works better to a deadline, you know, and I kind of feel like if I've set myself a goal and I say I'm going to do something, I will try my best mm -hmm. to kind of do it. So I think knowing that I thought, well, I've, I know when my contract finishes, let's try and see if I can yeah. find stuff and get myself, you know, it's, it's a great motivator, you know, because otherwise I think sometimes you can just sit there and, and, you know, the plodding of the day to day, because you haven't got that. And, and that's the thing I like about the freelance is that you have to be hungry for it because you're hustling with other people for that. Um, and I'm having that a little bit at the moment, you know, I've, I've been around for a while, but 
you know, uh, some companies I've not worked with before and they have their go-to person that they've always gone to. And I've kind of just said, look, I get that. But if that person can't do the job, I'm here, you know, and, and it's, it will, you know, I just think that you, I'm trying to relax into it as much as I can, but I think you, you do have to, I'm learning to try and sell myself as a bit more of a business. Um, and, and that is, you know, I'm still learning that and listening to your podcast and taking some tips. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I thought now would be a great time to quickly pause and reflect on all of the amazing or nuggets of information Lisa has already said. Don't forget to check out her website at lisadouglas.co.uk. I'm sure what she's saying will resonate with a lot of listeners. Whether you are looking to go freelance or you are currently in the hustle of freelancing, diversifying your skill set and building a network are great assets to whatever avenue of the creative arts you are in. If you are enjoying the episode, don't forget to leave your review on your chosen streaming platform. And now back on with the show. With entertainment, it's all so like there's always a new story breaking, whether it's a new release or a scandal as a freelancer or when you're on a show long term, like um, this morning strategy, like how how far in advance do you plan shows or concepts? I think that'd be very interesting because as I'm sure that episode is airing, you're already thinking of two or three episodes down the line, if not more. Like how how do you find that motivation to keep going when entertainment is so nonstop? I think with the show with this morning, it is the nonstop that keeps it different. I think that it's the thrill of the, I think once you've done live TV and, and I imagine it's, imagine it's same with theater, that buzz that you get of doing a live show. Um, it's very addictive because you don't know what's going to happen. And as you said, we, we, we've done several shows over the years where we'd get pulled off air because a breaking news had happened and you have to go to that or something happens in your airtime. And actually that's when I think you get paid the money for doing what you do because you have to think quickly on your feet and that's when your experience kicks in of kind of going, well, what do we do and how do we do that? But yeah, I mean, in terms of these shows, they are planning. You do plan quite far in advance. You, you might kind of know there's a, a film or a theatre coming out and you work with the, the publicist for that show or the individual talents publicist to start scheduling stuff in. And, and that stuff will be done in advance but there equally will be those breaking news things or you know that kind of land and it's just kind of how you adapt to doing that and, and managing the personalities involved that you might mean you have to move a guest from one day to another but I think with the nature of these kind of live shows is that you very much do say to anybody who comes on the show look at any point we can't we can't help if it gets kind of cancelled or something happens or breaking news and I think usually because they can see that reflected in the show they know you're not coming up with a yarn they know that there is a genuine reason for it um but yeah that's part of the thrill of it it's 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 very I always say working on this morning or working on a live tv show um is um it's like joining a moving treadmill like that's already <laughs> on like jogging and of course you know when you first get on it you're kind of like oh my God, I'm struggling to keep up. But you build the stamina and you kind of get used to it, running at that kind of pace. But then I think for me, what happened this morning, which is why I kind of left, is that you get accustomed to it. There's not, you know, you need to speed it up a little bit or you need to mix up. It's like, like if you go to the gym and you do the same class over and over again. Yeah, sure, you get better and your stamina gets better, but it becomes boring. Your body gets used to it. You're not getting that challenge. Um, so I think for me, like joining this morning is a, was a bit of a, whoa, what is going on here? This is a machine. There's 150 people that work on it. Everybody has their part to play in order to make that you know go to air but once you get into it and you kind of you know it's um I felt for me I was like actually you need more of a challenge so and, and it's a great learning curve of a show I think once you're used to working at producing you know we'd have 15 guests a week 
50 weeks yeah. of the year, you know, um, and, you know, and you kind of get used to working on that which tomorrow's show like things will change last minute and then you're working on the next day should like there's no stopping um and you get used to working at that pace and and that's a good thing I, I think it set me up I know certainly when I first joined Comic Relief you know I was just doing stuff really fast and they were like why are you doing stuff so quickly and I was like oh, I'm just <laughs> working at this kind of working at this pace but uh, you know that that's not a bad thing it, it gives you a good stamina and I also think it helps you make decisions quicker because you haven't got time to you've just got to learn I mean I suppose I don't know if any of you the listeners have watched like the morning show on Apple TV it's really like that you've got to move quickly and you've got to trust your gut a lot just go yeah right we're gonna go with that and so that's the lessons I will always take from working with something like that is that you know trust your gut on it just turn around quickly kind of you know listen to your experience in these moments where it's like hairy um trust it you know it will come through for you I feel like you'd be the perfect person to go in an escape room. You've got an hour to get out. I feel like you would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got this. I've got this. <laughs> yeah. With obviously being a talent executive and a senior celebrity producer, you you have to deal with a lot of people, not only the talent themselves, it's their, their agent, their manager, yeah. as well as the te- technical side, the presenters of the show. How is the time management of that and also every relationship there is is different how do you find that maybe in your skill set your time management as you said once you've got on that treadmill it's okay or is it quite is it something you have to be kind of alert for all the time yeah I mean I think yeah it there's lots of personalities kind of involved in that I mean I think um I like I, I try my best to kind of you can't always foresee stuff and and sometimes you might find yourself behind the scenes kind of there's tricky situations going on that you don't know anything about you know you can walk into a dressing room and the atmosphere is like whoa and it's not anything you've necessarily done it can be something that's happened kind of previous but you have to just take it as right well they're here to do a job how can I make this kind of better and I just think people are people at the end of the day I mean I always believe in you know I because I started as a runner and kind of worked my way up I just treat people the, the the green room host the same as I would do you know Tom Hanks that turns up etc I think that the danger you have is the minute you start worshipping the ground and kind of it can just make it a bit you know and I think most of the time I feel like and I've been very lucky you know that I think the the people that I've met the the bigger the star the nicer they are because they can get to that point where they can hire the people around them that they kind of want they've got that confidence um and and I don't think you know these people are just people at the end of the day you know um and we all have good days and bad days and I would always give anyone the benefit of the doubt I think if if I've worked with talent or an agent or a manager and they've been tricky ones before that doesn't necessarily mean you know that they'll be kind of tricky again but it's all, it is all part of my network and it's very important for me that talent come away from any show that I've worked on and I've had a great time because your name's kind of attached to that because it's me that makes that call to the agent to say to them when I then go and work on another show hi it's Lisa from such and such you remember I worked on this you want to make sure that they've kind of had a good time um, and, and that the agent and manager feels supported and, and ultimately if their client is happy they're going to be happy too. So if you can all work together and kind of find that common ground, but sometimes it does take negotiation. You know, they might have a subject area that they don't want to talk about and and you've got an editor saying, well, we have to talk about that. And that does take some time management for you to kind of work out, well, okay, how can we do this? How can we do it in a way that works for both of us? Um, And sometimes there will be things where 
a host has gone too far and said something or gone off script that we have agreed to. Um, and as happens with live TV, you know, you've then got someone looking at you going, we, we didn't agree to this. Um, and then my job in that situation is I always try and be as honest as possible. I think the worst thing you can do is try and blame someone else or say you didn't know if you did know or what it just comes back. So the, I'd like to think the reputation I have in the industry is to just try and be as honest as I can. Um, and it just means everybody knows where they stand. Um, and you know, if something's not right for the show or we have to decline a guest, it's usually because they're not right for this particular show. It doesn't mean they're not right as a person, um, but everybody's working for someone. So, you know, an agent has to go back to their clients. So if you can give them a, a reason that's a, a, a nice reason rather than, you know, we don't want you um, and just say, well, actually, it's not right at the moment, but we'd love to consider you for your next project. That's a much nicer way to to let someone down than it is to kind of say no. Treat people a bit like he'd like to be treated. You know? I hadn't even thought, I'd always, just be naive, the angle of people actually pitching to you, because I know PR companies and all that do, but me thinking, having worked in theatre, it's very timely to this show is opening or this celeb's gone into the show. So the pitch is timely, but I guess you would quite often get pitches from people or stories that aren't maybe time sensitive or you hadn't even thought about. It's also as well about think about what you're pitching it to. You know, if you're pitching it to, um, you know, if it's, uh, you know, a Channel 4 show is very different from an ITV show, a BBC show. Each of the channels have their own identity and then each show has their own identity. And each of the hosts, you know, hosts have a huge say in kind of who they like and who they don't like. Is that, so you are playing a bit of a, it's a bit of a game because you've got to try and, you're trying to please everybody with, with kind of the guests that you want. But sometimes a guest is just not right for that audience. You know, if, if it's a primarily daytime audience and it's mainly female led, so you know you've got to kind of think well you know who would you kind of I mean we always used to laugh that you almost create a persona of your audience so this morning we used to always call her Beryl from Bolton because <laughs> you know it, it is that thing of going I'll give you an example not not with a guest but we would talk about you know in London people cycle to work and kind of and we would have discussions about possibly doing a cycling demo on this morning but you know our editor used to say to us we all live in London and you live in a London bubble, but our show broadcasts to the whole nation. So are people in Bolton cycling to work? Are people up in like, you know, th yeah. so think about your audience, think about how do you kind of pitch that? So, so that would be the main thing that, you know, when we'd get pitched stuff, you'd sometimes think oh, that that person's never gonna, you know, our audience are not, I, I might know and love them, you know, but that doesn't matter if I'm not the audience to what. So I think again, like I said about my thing about connections is that, work out who your audience are and who you're trying to pitch it to um, and who you you know tv is about ratings primarily and kind of getting the amount of people watching the show that's how the advertisers make their money that's how a show is deemed a success and ratings are based on the audience so you can look at a slot and they will tell you traditionally what the audience is in that slot now you could decide to appeal to that audience or you might decide you actually want to poach an audience from another channel and so you might be thinking well okay normally we attract housewives in their 30s but actually um, we want to attract a younger kind of audience so how do we kind of do that um, do we put younger guests on that might bring people across things like half term when half term's on you have to kind of you know do, can you get away with so there is a lot more and I find I love that side of things I find the that's kind of the strategy of it and the looking at the ratings every day you get what's called overnights every day where they'll tell you what every tv show rated and you can 
monitor it minute by minute and see wow. where what part of a show that people dropped off of and, and people in the industry do sit and look at that and work out well where did we position and and and, and you know I know in the daytime sphere where I kind of was working and also you know with um, comic relief etc you would then be expected to present a show as to why that worked why it didn't work is it because something was next to something that was too you don't try and put too many heavy items together too many serious stuff together people will switch off so you try to have kind of what we say like a bit of a not a roller coaster, but a kind of ebb and flow throughout so that there's not, but then again, I don't imagine that's any different to musical numbers on a show. You, you, you have your show, you know, your big number into the interval, you have your big end of act and you have your big opening act and you have your slower numbers where everybody yeah. goes to the toilet and unwraps their sweets. In. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. so much you've said there that I just think, even from the fact of looking at stats and number from a marketing point of view with social media, I'm quite, Although I'm creative, I quite like the data sometimes and seeing why posts did perform well or who is the demographic, who is the audience. And I think quite often for freelancers or small business owners, they love their product, which is great, but they mm. don't know yet if their ideal client likes their product because they've not done that market research or done anything. So I, I think everything you're saying there from the crescendos of like stage numbers and TV shows to the data is it goes across the whole creative industry. Out yeah. of interest, what time did you, would you have to start for this morning? Was it be like really early rising? It wasn't too, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, I think that, yeah, usually you'd kind of be on your emails from about seven. I mean, I have friends of mine who still work on Good Morning Britain and, and you know, they're up at three or four in the morning. So <laughs> that almost becomes like a shift job where you're then going to your bed at six o'clock or seven o'clock in the evening. This morning wasn't too bad kind of where it was positioned. So we would kind of be, yeah, I'd be up about seven, checking my emails about seven. And when I worked on the show, it was live at 10.30. It's now live at 10. So um, if something was at seven o'clock, it would still give you enough time to change it by 10.30. You know, you still had enough time to kind of get into the office, et cetera. So um, you could kind of monitor your emails and kind of see where you're at. And then you would finish about six. But then even again in the evenings, you would kind of go to book launches or press launches or showcases for new because that's kind of when you would keep your finger on the pulse of what's what's coming through um so yeah it, it was it was kind of quite a kind of full-on job with it but you know yeah. it, I loved it as well so I'm, I'm enjoying this so much I will let you go soon I'm already like no don't be silly more. it's fine it's all right it's really nice this. chatting to you <laughs> um especially with COVID as well that has changed the landscape of entertainment across the board and I think I um whether they're friends or um, freelance clients I've had before as a mentor who want to maybe get more into production and tv and filming or audio Mm -hmm. what would you kind of say to someone who's maybe a bit later in the career and I like which is interesting because in the arts like especially as a dancer if you're like late 20s that's considered old which is absurd yeah Um, so what advice would you maybe give to someone who is a, a creative a freelancer maybe mid to late 20s early 30s who maybe wants to get a bit more into tv whether that's i know it's very different if they want to be a presenter to a producer or researcher but is there anything that you kind of think would maybe you wish you had known when you started out gosh um in in terms of advice i mean i i always think you know have a passion for it and watch it yeah. you know I mean you would be amazed and it is the thing that you hear loads of people talk about all the time is that people go for job interviews within tv for a tv show and have not watched the tv show they are going for I mean that to me is insane because I think you know you've got to if you're going for a job interview on that show you've got to know it um and I think that so that would always be my advice is you know watch stuff like in and 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 
read the credits, you know, because that tells you then who the person is who worked on that show and drop them a note, you know, feel free to say to them, you know, you can usually find most companies' emails and find their email addresses and say to them, I loved your show, I thought that was great, or kind of, you know, so have a passion for it and and kind of, you know, use the connections and the networking to kind of say to people, look, I'm interested. Um, and just kind of, I suppose, with anything, it's like, well, what solution could you offer? What can you kind of bring? Showing how your skills are transferable. You know, if you've worked in the theatre industry or marketing or others, and, you know, you're very good at, you know, these, there is marketing in TV. There is press, you know, if you've been a press officer for the theatre show, there is press within TV. But it's just showing how those skills can kind of be transferable. Um, but more than anything, I think most people who work in the TV industry are passionate about TV. But as I'd like to think that theatre is or music, or music people or comedy or other areas are. So I think show that passion, show that, you know, it's, it's a great industry to work in, but um, you, you need to have a drive for it. It's long hours. It's, you know, it's kind of unsociable hours. Um, and it's a lot of hard work. So you've got to have a love for it to do that. And I think if you have a love, it really kind of shines through. Um, uh, in terms of advice or things that I think about what I've kind of learned, if I could have said to my 21-year-old kind of self when I you know, first started, it probably is just you know, stick true to kind of what you know you love. Listen to your gut a little bit. You know, I think that there's there's sometimes where I haven't got jobs and I've been bereft and thought like, oh God, I really, really wanted that job. But I genuinely believe now that if you're being rejected for something, it's because you're being redirected to something better. It's like when people say to you when a relationship's ended, oh, there's plenty more fish in the sea and it's like the worst thing you want to hear. <laughs> but it's not until you cut farther forward that you then go, you know what, actually they were right. And I think on any job, I've had, don't get me wrong, I've had some horrific jobs that are not on my CV for a very good reason. <laughs> but I also learned from those jobs. It, it might be I learned I never want to work with that person ever again. It might be actually I learned, did I deal with that very well? No, I maybe didn't. You know, I, I know sometimes um, I have to learn to, to speak up for myself a bit more. I, I certainly learned that. And I feel more confident now doing that. So as a runner, I didn't do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that would be my thing is that if I could have told my 21 year old self, it's like, don't get hung up if you don't get that job because sometimes it's for a reason there's something else better around the corner it might not be obvious at that moment but when I look back at my career journey now and I kind of think oh god if I hadn't got that job I wouldn't have met that person that I then landed up working yeah. with later or if I hadn't got that job it wouldn't have made that wouldn't have helped me move to London for that job because that person opened the door that then moved they moved to London and I was able to get a job with them so that's a very long-winded answer for no. a short question <laughs> no but I absolutely loved it and I think <laughs> where we get quite scared I think to to have like you said follow your gut try things rejection I love what you said there about the rejection is actually like redir redirection redirected yeah. yeah um because I just think that's so true and I'm very similar there's been jobs I've auditioned for even once I've got more into media myself I've applied for not got mm -hmm. and quite often sometimes you find out because you see that person hosting that event or in that show and you're like oh okay um but that's actually opened up so many other opportunities for me or someone I've I've applied for I wasn't right for that job but actually they messaged me two months later because another job come up that was even a better fit for me yeah you should always apply for it I mean I had a friend recently do the same where she applied for a job and she didn't get it and they give her really good feedback and I said to her why don't you email them and say the next time they've got an event could you offer to help because that's another way to show them and you know it's kind of you know or find out what it is that you didn't have I mean I I've always felt like 
someone gets that job you know and I remember when I finished university and them saying well TV industry is really hard to get into and not everybody gets in and I was like yeah but someone must do each year loads of graduates come out each year people are knocking on someone must why is it to say it's not me you know and and give it your best shot look if you don't you're not going to know if you don't try. And I think that if it better to have tried and it not work out than to sit there and think, what if, you know, I think a life with what ifs, it's like, try it. If, what's the worst that could happen? It might work out. You might get that job. You might love it. It doesn't work out. You can say you gave it a go and then you can kind of move on, you know, or, or go back again another time. Um, I mean, I kind of started in TV, did two years, didn't mean to be in Manchester for two years and got really lonely. I really struggled. I loved my job, but I didn't connect with the place with a social level. I didn't have a good bunch of friends. And so I left and I went back up to Scotland and I stayed with my parents for three months. Um, and then all of a sudden I, I missed it. And my mum was like, right, come on, get your, you know, you know, put your tough skin back on, get mm -hmm. back out there. And I moved to, to Glasgow at that point and I was glad I did and in Glasgow I met some brilliant friends and it really came together so if I just left it at the first hurdle uh, you know sometimes you just need to go away lick your wounds and then come back again I mean that that's the whole thing the whole creative industry though you've got to have a tough skin so I'd say to anyone in another creative industry you're already probably halfway there because if you've got a tough skin you can survive the tv industry <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah is it like a little bit at times like um Devil Wears Prada, like that kind of cutthroat, yeah. or that's obviously like a caricature of it, but I could imagine you are probably getting face sheets of people that are coming in that day or quotes you need to do. It's probably, I can imagine it can be, when it's good, it's epic and amazing. And when it's bad, it probably seems like you're drowning, I can imagine. It can, but I think that that's where it's really important to have a, a bit like you said, like either mentors or people within the industry that you can turn to and kind of, I mean, I, I think it's it's very cheesy, but they used to say on this morning, like they were a fat, we were a family and it was yeah. because I spent more time there than I did with my family. You know, you're there all the time and you're socializing with them. And, you know, I bought my flat there whilst I was there, you know, you, you know, if you'd be upset about something or kind of, you know, well, I got, I met my husband, I got married whilst I worked on this morning so that I had Hindus and all that kind of <laughs> so it was a real wretch for me to leave because I felt like I had some great friendships there um but yeah I think I think it can be quite a bitchy bitchy at times and I think but if you have genuine people around you that you know can be a sounding board or a mentor to kind of go is it just me or is this kind of I I think I honestly think though I think things are getting better and I think that um uh, my generation that kind of grew up that I was you know you were used to be screamed and shouted at mm -hmm. and you just had to deal with that and it wasn't right it did upset me um I learned to deal with it should I have had to learn to deal with it? No, I don't think I, I should have. And I don't think the younger, I don't think it's acceptable now. And I think there are still some people in the industry who believe they can speak to people like that. And I think, you know, just like with the Black Lives Matter, things have moved on. You can't, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's important that, you know, people have, you know, good foundations or good friends or, you know, good people who don't work in the industry is really important. You know, I have friends who I used to live with two girls that were worked in um, A&E and intensive care units. And I'd come home and tell them what I'd, what I'd been up to. And then they'd come in and tell you what they'd been up to. And you'd think, 
God, like they've been saving lives all day. What have I been doing? I've been two hours worth of live TV with like doing showbiz stuff. It's like, <laughs> it's like but it does give you that yeah. perspective. And I think that you just have to kind of go, do you know what? We're, we're entertaining people for a living. I do think people in TV behave like we are saving lives, um, but you have yeah. to kind of go, we're not, you know, it's just entertainment. If something goes wrong or the show falls off air or whatever, it's fine. You know, nothing, no, no one has died. It's fine. Um, and when it comes together, you know, it can kind of be magical. But yeah, I would urge everyone to try and have, um, you know, some people out with who are very grounded that you've got a, a good a good person to sort of talk to. Is there anything or anyone that inspires you either still or inspired you kind of on your journey to your career? It could be a book, could be a person. Is there anything that's kind of stuck with you? Do you know what? You, I was thinking about this before tonight because I thought, God, you know, I'm rubbish at remembering these things. I, <laughs> I, I do. So occasionally, you know, I always get pleased with myself when I remember. But there's been a few things. I mean, I, I there's the obvious, like the Obamas and the kind of, you know, um, the Richard Francis. I always loved Audrey Hepburn growing up. I always just thought she was so glamorous and kind of. And I, But I think as I've kind of got one person I kind of came to, um, and I didn't really know very much about her, was Eleanor Roosevelt, like Theobald Roosevelt's uh, wife. Um, and she kind of was a bit of a kind of Michelle Obama of her kind of day. But she used to just say, she has some amazing quotes. And if you start looking kind of into them, you kind of feel like, God, like she was really ahead of her time. And one of the ones that, you know, she she used to say, like, you know, no one can make you feel fearier without without their consent that it's kind of like you feeling bad about yourself you've allowed someone to kind of do that what do you care about what people kind of think and I think one of the ones I've used quite a few times is you know is that kind of she said that a woman is like a tea bag it's not until she's in the hot water that you realize how strong she is um and I've used that a few times over the years and I've kind of said to people look you know sometimes in your darkest moment or things when you really feel you're up against it you have so much more strength than you kind of think. So she's definitely someone I'd kind of recommend. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, there's a couple of, Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In is an amazing book. I came to it quite late, but I love that. The Four Agreements is a great book. Um, and I've gone to, that's one I've gifted to people and gone gone back to a few times. Um, but for me, my my big one at the moment, and I've got, I'm such a lover of him, is Matt Haig. Oh, yes. I absolutely love him and his notes on a nervous planet book, which I think is so appropriate more now than it was when it kind of first came out is, a, is an amazing, amazing book. And I just think it, I would urge any of your audience listening that if you ever have dark moments or kind of feel like you're just not really being understood or kind of it's a great book with just little kind of words of wisdom that just yeah you can just kind of dip into it here and out and he's he's amazing on instagram if you kind of follow him and stuff he's really done waves for mental health and kind of getting people to talk about it and it's it's not done in a psychological kind of way it's done in a way to kind of speak so he's certainly someone that i kind of feel like you know um can offer a lot of support to people you know completely and i guess you probably have dealt firsthand you've maybe had stories or um clients on that you're maybe not the biggest fan of or you don't let's say agree with their thoughts but you're doing your job you have to get on with it so the jobs off screen are just as emotionally and physically draining as when you're on camera or when you're on stage and you have that slip or you don't feel good if that makes sense yeah yeah I think so I mean I think you know like one of the one of the toughest jobs I had and I was really out of my comfort zone was um when I did the Kilimanjaro Red Nose Day climb, you know, because my job was to cast the talent and look after them. 
that involved going up to the mountain kind of with him. Now, I was not a remotely physical, outdoorsy person. I'd never camped, let alone try to climb Africa's highest mountain. <laughs> um, but my job was to look after the talent and to make sure that they were happy. And that kind of meant putting my my happiness kind of to one side to get the job done and um and i yeah that can be tough at times it does it you know you would be exhausted but my i saw it as my job to make sure that they had everything they wanted and they were happy and they had support and they were you know they felt that they encouraged the whole time that they could do it and i was on their side and we could kind of get through but then that meant that i probably wasn't doing as enough for me and it was interesting with that because i think i I was so focused on them and so driven on the job. And even to the point that like my friends and family, you know, I didn't really, ha I said to them, I'd messaged them before I went and I messaged them when I kind of came back down. But in between, I was like, I, I don't, I kind of shut them off because I thought I really need to focus on what I need to do. And if I've got you worrying about me, <laughs> and, I, and of course I got why they were doing that because they knew I wouldn't be worrying about me. I'd be worrying about someone else. But interestingly, when I then, we did the challenge, it was all great. And we kind of came back down. About a week later, when I kind of came back to the UK, it really hit me. Like I really just cried, was a bit emotional. It was kind of a little bit like, and, and I think it was a lesson learned to me that, you have to deal with that you can't you can't be putting everything into everybody else you know I was exhausted I landed up sleeping for about five days it was like I'd obviously been running on an adrenaline and kind of really not looking at not looking at I was looking after myself but I just kind of wasn't giving myself enough kind of time and headspace um, and so I think it's important that you do have someone looking if you are in a, you know, those kind of, we all have them with work. It's, it's not just unique to TV, but those projects or those moments where it's all encompassing that you've got someone who's maybe just making you a cup of tea every hour or telling you to just take five minutes. And I, and I think that's why things like those, Matt, that Matt Haig book is a great book because yeah. his little things are one page and you just kind of, and even if it's just a case of, you know, I don't have time to read a book. Well, you've got time to read one page. You've got time to take, and, and I'm trying to, which I know will sound funny for your listeners because I talk mm -hmm. 50 to the dozen and I'm not very good at sitting still and I'm not very good at kind of tuning out. I, I kind of thrive on the, the busyness of it but I'm trying to do mindfulness at the moment <laughs> and that's tough for me. But, yeah. but again, it's that idea of God, can you not just sit still for one minute yeah. or just tune out? And it's, it honestly, you feel the benefits of it so, so much, even if it's just listening to music or something. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, again, like I say, a, a lesson I didn't intend to learn, but you kind of learn about yourself and you yeah. take to future projects going right, you know, look after yourself. Yeah. I'm exactly the same and the fact it's almost like um I feel like my head's always a snow globe there's always things going on and it's trying to That's let the snow yeah, yeah let the snow settle um and I'm gonna let you go but where can people find you um online so your website or if you want to share social media because someone could be listening and think I need to hire this lady as my mentor oh, that's or very kind. my yeah, absolutely. Show. So um, I've got my website, which is www.lisadouglas.co.uk. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me through there. Um, I am on Twitter. I'm not very good at using my Twitter, but I am on that too. So that's Lisa C. Douglas. Um, and then I'm also on Instagram as well. So you'll find me on that. Um, so yeah, do get in touch. I mean, I'm always happy to kind of offer advice, uh, et cetera. Um, and actually I've just recently started getting into doing some mentoring because mm. I know having started at the bottom, I would have loved that. So if I, I, I will always, I, you know, I will always try and get back to people and kind of offer any help and advice that I can. 
Amazing. No, I was literally this whole way through, I was like, how can I hire this lady to help oh, me? Oh, that's very kind to you. Um, no, and <laughs> I, I'm very comfortable, so thank you. No worries. And I'm sure this will resonate with a lot of listeners. So thank you so much for giving up your time. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. A massive, massive thank you to Lisa Douglas. I'm sure you will agree that that interview was really inspiring. Just hearing about her journey in the entertainment industry, particularly in TV and her progression, how humble she was and all that she's achieved. I absolutely loved recording that interview. It was so good. Do check out her website, lisadouglas.co.uk. You can also find her social media handles from that as well. And if you really enjoyed the episode, head over to Apple Podcasts or your chosen streaming platform to leave a review. On next week's episode, I will be talking networking, what to do and how to take out the awkwardness of networking as a freelancer and creative. See you then.